Welcome everyone to episode number three. Wait, four. Wait, not four. Four of Polar Opposites. Hello everyone, I'm Spencer Byers alongside Cajun, Thiru, Thanny Castellum, and I'll make sure I say pop, it again pop. for 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 effect, Cajun, Thiru, Thanny Castellum, Cage. I almost I almost messed up at the beginning before I cussed immediately for the first time ever on the Outrage Inc. My goodness, who, who I'm all over the place. Would have been you cussing first and not me. I can't. I can't. I can't. Well, it was Al first, but you know, Big Al will will get his chance tomorrow. I mean, between again. me and you, you, you would have thought it would have been me first. Well, I still haven't cussed yet, so now we still are waiting for that outlier. But I almost messed it up again. Missing up that episode, almost cussed. I mean, what a what a shamble to start off with. Well, welcome <laughs> to Polar Opposites, episode number four. Again, Spencer Byers, Cajun Theory, Thinny Cast, Living Cage. Big episode, you know, talking about a lot at TSN about how this week has kind of got a whole lot of nothing going on. All-Star break of baseball, All-Star game at WNBA now, mm-hmm. which no one talks about, but All-Star game for the WNBA. You know, summer league of the of the NBA that really, no offense, doesn't matter, but we get to see some rookies that were just drafted. Victor Rambanyama, a big one. We also got to see Grady Dick make his debut with the Toronto Raptors. But, you know, Cade, we'll start off with, how are you? How's it, how's it going? Honestly, Never been better. I'm I'm a year older now, so. Oh, it's... that's right. You know what? Before I mess this up again, see, Cage, I'm all over the place. You know, I should have wrote it down. Should have wrote it down. I, you know, I, you know, been so many places I forgot. It was Cajun Thiru, Thanny Castle's birthday yesterday, wasn't it, Cajun? Was it yesterday or was it? Yes, sir. Yesterday? The big two eight. Yeah, the big twenty eight. Yes, Cajun is old enough to be someone's dad, so. Cajun oh, Thiru, Thanny Castle now's got you know, uh, if you had a baby at eighteen, they'd be ten. And I and I quote and I quote I this middle school. And I quote this from uh, from the great Spencer Byers here. What are what are you forty by the way? Yeah, that that's how I texted him happy birthday because I was up at midnight and I texted him say I texted him happy birthday, Cage. How how old are you again? Forty question mark. Hey, my my joints feel like I'm forty right now. And like sh- like damn. No, more like eighty, but regardless. So big happy birthday to Cajun. Thiru Thanny Castlem, just making sure I say it enough to make sure I can prove that I can, in fact, say it in a proper way. Ah, uh, so, man, appreciate it, appreciate it, you know, like... I can ugh. fit it into my email cage, even. I can fit it into my email, it even works. I mean... That's just how I set you, every, that's, every, that's just how I li- set you. Hey, life's, life's been giving me bust since I was late, so I can't really complain. Oh, you always can complain. But regardless, a guy who can't complain, well, maybe NBA fans can complain, Cage. We'll now jump into the actual reason why you're here, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Summer League has officially under uh, officially started since our last episode. And Victor Wambanyama, after having, I believe, only nine points, two for 13 from the field in his first uh, first Summer League game for the San Antonio Spurs, he drops 27-9. and nine. 27 points, nine rebounds, I think three blocks in both his first and second game in the Summer League, and finally lives up to that just ridiculous, so insurmountable amount of hype that he's been under. And also to mention that they've now, San Antonio has deactivated him for the rest of Summer League, which I think is, is smart, but we'll get your analysis, Cage, for the first two games of Victor Wembanyama's NBA career, which again, Summer League, these games don't count, they're just preseason, but still... The first time North American fans have been able to actually see him in person on TV. You know, what were your takeaways of Victor Wembanyama's first two games for the San Antonio Spurs? He won't wow people right off the gate. Um, and the hype surrounding Wembanyama heading 
into him eventually being drafted first overall by the San Antonio Spurs was absolutely insane, bordering on LeBron levels back when he dazzled uh, dazzled at St. Vincent St. Mary's and was on every Slam magazine cover. There's a ton of pressure being put on him. Um, now, the thing that was always going to be a constant with him was his defense, was it was his shot blocking and to a degree his rebounding. But that, uh, but the offense, offense wise, it's gonna take some time to get get there. And um, and mind you, Wembenyama's very Wembenyama's very slender. So that first game is just, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother animal dealing with. The NBA, the NBA, and its level of physicality compared to overseas, or 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 their level of play compared to overseas. So he got humbled that first game, but the second game he seemed to have figured something out. And obviously, like you know, with the theme around uh, around athletes' well-being and health, and them playing at their optimal level of play, we weren't going to see much of Wembenyama for all of the summer leagues, so they shut him down. Well, he's and gonna not figure only things. He's gonna figure things out, but it's encur- it's it's encouraging to see how we figured how we sort of adjusted from like that first game to the second game. Well, not only that, Cage. I, I'm not sure if you saw the report. I, I I know you did, but I'll, I'll just say that as as a defense for you that he said after his first game after dropping the nine points, and I I say a lot of that. That negativity of maybe he's not as good as we thought he was coming into that draft again, because again he played in France. No one really saw this kid play unless you were a scout going to watch him. None, of, neither you or I were able to watch French games. I don't think you and I would have wanted to watch French games. Maybe you, you're a bit of a lunatic. I, I can openly admit to you, I would not be watching no French basketball intentionally. I'd rather watch Barcelona play. But again, in, in spite of that, he said that you know he's really going to have to change his conditioning. Is it the conditioning's got to get a lot better? Because just how how tough it is playing the NBA, and and I think that's something that European players really do have a problem with is the speed in in every sport. Hockey, another one that that problem kind of comes in because of the different playing surface. But in basketball, just the physicality and the conditioning needed to play in the NBA is so much different than other leagues, especially that Wembenyama is going to take some time to get used to that as well. Getting used to the physicality and used to the conditioning is needed to be able to play 30, 40 minutes in an in a NBA game, especially when the real season starts. This is just summer league. When we get to the real games where they actually matter, that might also add a wrinkle mm-hmm. to the conditioning factor. And I'm glad you mentioned conditioning because that was the biggest takeaway from that. For, that was the biggest takeaway for that first game from, from Wembenyama. Felt like he had to catch his breath like a whole bunch of times during that first game. So... Conditioning is going to be the biggest adjustment, but he, he, there, there, this is the best ever situation he could be put in, in terms of like a franchise being drafted to the San Antonio Spurs and being under the tutelage of head coach Greg Popovich, who signed a five year, five year contract to stay on as a head coach for the Spurs. I'm convinced this man will. Will go to the grave. Will go to go to the grave while coaching. Um, because- well, at this point, it seems like he's gonna have to because I want to mention here, Cage. I don't know if you had a chance to touch on it, but he signed a brand new five-year, eighty million dollar contract extension. So he is there to stay in San Antonio. You would have thought maybe 
you know, he is getting long in the tooth. Maybe he is going to retire and let one of the younger guys kind of bring up Wembenyama. But obviously the Spurs are like, no, 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 none of that noise. We want Pop to have his fingerprints on this young man, just like he did with uh, with David, the Admiral David Robinson, just like he had with Tim Duncan, just like he had with Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili. They really want Popovich to mold this kid. And I want to see how it works, Cage, because people do talk bad about Popovich because of how bad the Spurs have been in the last five years, since basically since um, Duncan retired. But I want to mm-hmm. see if he can really show his development chops with how good Wambayama can be under Pop in the next two to three years. And I think this is going to be his biggest test for, this is going to be Pop's biggest test because Duncan coming out of Wake Forest was a proven product. Yeah, people knew what you were getting with with, yeah. with Tim Duncan. And, and no but, offense, and, and that's no offense to Pop because again, Pop won a bunch of rings with him, right? So that is up to Pop's doing and the development of guys like Tony Parker and, and Mono Ginobili. And, and with Tony Parker... He was a late first-round pick. Ginobili was a late second-round pick. So there weren't really expectations surrounding Parker and Ginobili. So there wasn't really pressure in terms of those in terms of those two. With Wembenyama, it's a whole other different animal because not only of his physical attributes, but also with the hype that com- that comes from social media and the fact that you're seven, you're you're basically you're seven three seven four and handling the ball like you like you are as as, with guard like skills so it's going to be really interesting to see how pop gets gets Wembenyama into his sweet spots and to enable him to be to be the best off to be to be the best version of himself this is this this probably might and I might be crazy for this, saying this this might be Popovich's greatest challenge as a coach yet well and you know what Kate I think that's a hot take and here's why and I, I I do think you'll elaborate when I finish my point that it's going to be because how many guys are like him like we talk about comparisons in every sport. And I I don't really like comparisons, but in some some particular points they are very they're important, right? When you try to pick out a kid and say, okay, what's he going to be in five ten years? You know, when you say that guy looks like this player, that guy looks like that player, like you know, comparing. I'm trying to think of an example here. Maybe like maybe him to KD or something. Like one, but I'm going to compare it to KD. But the problem is, is with Wembenyama. We never seen someone like this kid before. He's mm-hmm. seven four without shoes. I think he's seven three and a half without shoes on. He has shot particularly well from three. He is horribly athletic. He's really thin like KD, but he's so much taller. He has post moves. He's great rim protector, unlike KD. He's a great rim protector, even with how slender he is. Like, we don't have an archetype for this kid. So what he's gonna be is whatever he is able to do plus what Popovich allows him to do, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see if maybe that old mindset coaching affects him as well. But more importantly, because this kid has no archetype, there's nothing to mimic. There's nothing you can just say, like, you know, Shaq talked about, it talks about, but other other centers as well, particularly talk about, you know, I take this from Kareem, take this from Ewing, take this from Elijah Wan, even, you know, take this from Shaq, right? What's one I'm going to take? Like, there's no one like him. There's no seven, yeah. four, se- se- seven plus footer. That can shoot like that, can dribble like that, can get to the rim like that, can rim protect like that. Like, what position is he gonna play? Like, you—you—he's one of the only guys you can genuinely say, Cage, at his height, can play one through five. Yeah. 
Like, LeBron can, but no, he can't play center. Like, he's not big enough to play center. He probably against, could. Against a good enough center, center, he'll be exposed. Exactly. This kid, this kid can play point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center, and be able to switch everything on the defensive end, can shoot the three ball, can pass, can dribble, can get to the lane, can post up. Like, you know, I know I'm saying— Unlike well, a kid, certain delusional NBA player. We'll get into Cat, that absolute moron, later. But, you know, with with with, with Wemby, it's it's so hard because, you know, you think about Popovich and how many good players he's had under him and how many players he's he's been able to get the best out of. Again, Tony Parker and Manu specifically. But, mm-hmm. you know, who who's he going to say to this kid, I want you to be like them, right? It's literally going to be, can Pop look at this guy and say, okay, th- I don't want you to be anybody. I want you to be you and let him kind of mold his own game. I think this guy would be the limit if that's the case. Exactly, right? That's the thing is is if Pop allows him to be, you know, that style of player where he just allows him to be him, you know, the sky could be the limit. I don't even think it's that. I think he could start touch the stars of the Milky Way galaxy if that's the case. Yeah, like, and I, I know you and I are talking about him like he's the second coming of, you know, second coming of God. But the reality is with this kid... Like, you know, even with a guy like Connor Bedard, who people talk about in the NHL as the sec- as a, the, the next Connor McDavid, the next Sidney Crosby, the next Wayne Gretzky even, right? You know, there's comparisons for that kid's game. There's comparisons. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a small, really good shooter, can win faceoffs, might need to move to the wing because of the, of the size problem, but hasn't ha- faced that problem yet, so maybe they will be able to keep him at center. But there's no really player comparison for Wembenyama. Sure, he can take a bit of KD. Sure, he can take a bit of, like, St. Anthony D- Davis on the defensive end, but there's no really... Set is set solid player comparison for him, and he's just a different breed. Yeah, and, and I I mean that in the in the best way is that there's literally a guy you can't compare him to because no matter who you compare him to, you're wrong. Like, oh, he's KD. No, he's not. He's four inches taller than KD, and he can probably no offense, he can probably dribble better than KD coming out of Texas because he's a point guard. He played basically point guard in France, right? Mm-hmm. Like. There, there just isn't a straight line like, okay, this kid archetypes like him. There isn't one. There just – there isn't that style. And I really hope for this kid's sake, Cage, that yep. Pop is able to get out of that older mindset that coaches really do like to fall into nowadays and let him be him because if – and again, big if – if, you know, Pop allows that to happen – we could we could see easily the greatest player of all time, and I mean that genuinely. Like if this kid has so many tools in that toolbox, and because of how tall he is, you know, we might be able to see somebody that we've never seen before and may never see again. Absolutely. And one more thing before we move off on Benyama, because when you started talking about Wemby, I saw a tweet that I was actually going to bring up to you before we started, but now it might be even be funnier that you're you know going to get a chance to react to this freshly. Okay. So over the weekend. I despise Twitter. Now, I'm not on threads either because I'm not a loser, but um, I don't like threads. I don't like Twitter. I No offense to uh, threads either. Again, don't use it. Don't care. But I do not use Twitter. I think Twitter is a garbage platform. And I, I don't use it. But I was skimming uh, through Instagram because I do have social media. I am a child. I, I am a 21-year-old kid, so I do have, obviously, social medias. So I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I saw a tweet from Skip Bayless. Cage. And actually, that might be a lie. It might have been that I got a notification from my Twitter that I do have that, again, I don't use uh, of this tweet. And I had to read it for myself, Cage. I'm going to speak it to you right now. This is on Skip Bayless, everyone's favorite analyst, Skip Bayless. Drip Bayless? 
This is on Skip Bayless's official Twitter account. Now, Skip Bayless has 3.2 million followers, doesn't follow anyone, but has 3.2 million followers on Twitter, okay? One of the, one of the most well-known sports figures in all of television, one of the icons, if you will, of what you and I want to do. On his official Twitter account, after Wembenyama played, this is what he said. And I quote, Skip Bayless said, more I watch Wemby, comma, more I believe he's a guard wannabe, period. There's a little man trapped in that gigantic frame, like it brings the ball up, like like to bring the ball, likes to bring the ball up, go between the legs, put dribble moves on defenders, defend smaller players on the perimeter, more finesse than force, dot, 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 for now. Now, I don't know what your feeling is with that particular tweet, Cage, but for me, I could not believe he said it because I thought, I thought that was obvious. I thought we knew this kid was 7'4", played the point guard, was going to be the main facilitator in the offense, but had the ability to play in the post, had the ability to play the center's position, had the ability to be a rim protector at a very high level. I didn't know that people thought he was going to play center. I didn't know that was the expectation. I thought we all thought this kid was going to break the NBA and play 7-4 point guard and have literally no matchup. There's no one who can guard him on the floor because he's too big for guards and he's too fast for centers. No one can guard him. Like, I just don't know where Skip thought that was a smart thing to say. And, of course, the comments flamed him and you know, everything I've seen is flaming him for it. And, in my opinion, deservedly so. But I just... I don't get it. Like, I, I don't know if that's a, I can't tell if that's a criticism of something we already kind of knew. Like, I, I don't really, and, I, and I, I think guard wannabe is a negative uh, connotation of saying he's a really good ball yeah. handler, really good passer, but still, like, I, what, what's your feeling on that particular comment from Skip Bayless, better known as Skip Bayless, if you're hanging out with Little Wayne? Uh, why am I not surprised? Why am I not surprised? Um, Skip makes his money off of outlandish takes. That's what that's what pays the big bucks for Skip for Skip Skip Bayless, Drip Bayless, whatever you want to call them. Like I have other names, but um, the words cannot words cannot be used on that because if I do use those words, there's gonna be a ton of bleeps. So I'm not doing that. But it doesn't surprise me. Um, he likes hot takes. Uh. We all love hot takes, but he's on a whole nother level. Um, the one, the one thing that I will say, I will say that sort of makes sense in what he said is more finesse than force for now. But he's also a rookie for crying out loud. He's also a, he, he, he's uh, he he's literally played two summer league yet. games. He's played two summer league games. He's been in North America for less than a month. Like, so that force will eventually right come now? once he gets once he gets accustomed to the rigors of the NBA. Like obviously you're not gonna see it now. But like I said, like we like we mentioned before, like we haven't really seen someone like Wombanyama before. He's just a whole nother he's he's just one of one. He's a whole nother different breed. Um so a little man trapped in that gigantic frame, I'm like that just borderline it. It doesn't surprise me, but it's also borderline disrespectful. Well, no, or not even borderline disrespectful. Yeah, like, like, like guard wannabe? Like, you know, 
you can say that point of saying you think that he plays too much of a perimeter game without saying he's a guard wannabe. Yeah, like, there's I just, different ways of saying it. I just, it's just such a negative connotation to a guy that, again, as we keep talking about, is one of one. There is not someone like him. There's someone to compare him to. There is no guy. Even Nikola Jokic is five inches smaller. Like, we cannot compare them. They're not comparable. And no offense to Nikola, this kid's way more athletic. This kid's got way more jump, way more bounce. Mm -hmm. Like, there isn't someone to compare him to. So to say he's a guard wannabe and he's a guy, a little boy starts sucking a gigantic body, like, that's just, it's ridiculous. See, my only concern with Wembenyama, like, over, like, the course of what I hope would be a lengthy NBA career is how how is his body going to hold up against the NBA? Will he will he put some will he put some muscle onto that frame, or will he go about it that will will his career go about about it the way say someone like Kristaps Porzingis? Um, because I think for me that's the biggest concern for for Wembenyama not not the fact that he plays a perimeter oriented game because that's his play style, and he can also post uh, and, and and he can also post up and dominate on both ends of the floor. My question is, how will this body hold up? Because the way that it is right now, it will not. Well, see, I, I can tell you that from the reports I've read of their rep team, they don't plan to add a bunch of weight to him. They plan to just get his cardio for the NBA. But they don't want to add a bunch of weight because he's always played like this. And I'm okay with that because guys like Katie have succeeded with that slender build. Mm-hmm. And he is just so damn tall that if you want to guard him in the post, go ahead. But he's going to shoot over you. Right. And I'm not saying that this guy can't just play center because he obviously could and he could be a great center. But I'll go as far as to say, as a guy who would love to coach, why would you pigeonhole him into a position that least affects the game in today's NBA? And not only that, why would you pigeonhole him into forcing him to be something that is disadvantageous for him and your team? Like, why limit yourself and just say he's going to be a center? Like, he's a guard wannabe? No, no, no. He's a guy who can play literally any position on the floor. He is the definition of positionless. That's what he is. So why would you force him to be something that not only makes him way more off the ball when he's a great great handler of the ball and great passer and great shooter and force mm-hmm. him into the post and play against guys like Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella. Like, what a waste of time. And Joel Embiid, what a waste of time. I think eventually, I think eventually to prolong his career, he's going to have to do that, though. Well, maybe, but that, that's, that's a problem for another day, Cage. We're not talking about, you know... Injury, like I understand bringing up the point, and it's a fair point that maybe injuries will derail some things, and that might happen. But that's something we you and I can't control. So mm. the reality is, is with his skill set, with his potential, with his size, with his athleticism, what could he be? And the answer is, the sky's the bloody limit. There mm. is no answer to those questions because we don't know. Because yeah. there's nothing you and I can point to and say, well, he could be that. Well, I don't know. I've never seen a guy who's seven foot three and a half without shoes on that can shoot, can pass, can dribble, can get to the post, can rim protect. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you can play it's point guard, you can play center. Like, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Honestly, Wembenyama, and I, I've said this a couple times with, with kids at way lower levels, Wembenyama is going to be limited by the imagination of his coach. 
That's what Wembanyama is going to be limited by. It's not like it could be his talent, because Wembanyama can do anything right now. Right now, you could put him in any position, and he could be at least average to an adequate level mm-hmm. at that position. He yeah. is limited by the imagination of his coach to think, okay, because, and I mean this genuinely, Cajun, I don't want to get into this giant spiral, because I usually use, use it for, for football, because again, I love football, and I mean American football, but... He is so talented at so many different things that some coaches look at him and go, where am I going to play him in a negative way? Like, where am I going to play him? I don't know if I can play him at center. Like, I don't know. I don't know where to put him. Some coaches like me look at him and go, oh, my God, Cage, I can do all these things with him. What can't I do? There's this pos- is amazing. There's, there's endless possibilities. Like, it's either you see it as a negative because you believe in certain rules and they don't fit into those boxes or you look at him and go, I, Cage, there's not a thing he can't do. There's not a thing I can't put him in that won't work because he can do everything. He can post up. He can shoot. He can pass. He can dribble. He can play defense. I can put him anywhere. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the way I look at it. But I know other coaches, especially in the professional ranks, believe in their boxes, believe in we play this way, so we want you to play this way. And certain guys don't fit into that. Wembenyama, perfect example may not fit into those perfect boxes, which will make the coach look at him negatively because what am I going to do with him? Like, what am I going to do with this guy? Mm-hmm. So the imagination of Greg Popovich will dictate how good Wembenyama can be. And I will be honest here, I'm worried, but cautiously optimistic because I think Pop is a good enough coach and has a good enough track record that he'll be able to figure it out and make Wembenyama into what we all think he could be, which is arguably the greatest player to ever touch basketball. Genuinely. Like, I, I think Pop will be able to do that. He's got the physical attributes and, and the game to do it. And you'd think the athleticism and all the other things, again, it, without talking about injury, that obviously could happen to anybody, but Wembenyama specifically, because, again, he's so tall, so long, injuries do usually derail guys who are that big. But, you know, barring that, this kid really is, you know, the DC universe limit of just astronomical potential. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most generally caged, and we could argue about this between LeBron and, and him. He might have the most potential of any player we've ever seen, too. Not only could he be the greatest player, but he might have the most potential. Because you know, potential is a magical thing. We talk about all the things he can do, all the things he should be able to do. You know, that that's just potential. But we only yeah. see him being in five, ten years. And that's no offense to LeBron, who is a great player and was a great scorer when he came into the NBA, became a really good, a really good plus defender later in life, and now today he's a point guard. And average 10 assists a game. Like he's changed his game as he's gotten older to, be able to, to make his make his longevity better. And Mamino might do that later too. Mm-hmm. But I think Mamino's got way more potential to LeBron because again, he's like seven inches taller. Yep. You know, he might, might be a little less athletic than LeBron because LeBron's a freak. LeBron's a, I won't say one of one athletically, but I think he's top one percentile, the top one percent, top one percent, whatever, however many one percent you want to go. Like, he is a premier athlete. Not a whole lot of guys are made like LeBron James, athletically especially. You know, but that's not a knock on Yama. That's how good LeBron is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's the thing, too, is potential. No one's, I think, ever going to touch Wembenyama, genuinely. Because, again, you got not so many— Not even close. There's so many boxes you have to check for this kid potential-wise. But, KJ, I only, I only want to talk about it. What do you think the, the hype has been between these two guys, Wemanyama and LeBron? The first coming the, the first coming and the second coming, if you will. LeBron was the first guy that I think the draft really gravitated around. Like, oh, my God, this guy could be an absolute freak at a high school. Like, playing at St. Mary's in Cleveland, or in Ohio specifically. 
compared now to Wembenyama, who again has been kind of has been overhyped because we've never seen him before. Unlike LeBron, who had nationally televised high school games for Christ's sake, because of how much people wanted to see this kid. And you know what? Only because only because of where where like the eras of like when they first came into the league. Because let's be real, technology was not the same in 0102 as it was currently, as it is currently. No, No, the BlackBerry was still popular. The Nokia was the riveting technology of phones. Uh, I don't even know if the BlackBerry was around there. You probably remember those days when the Nokia was the top phone selling. You know, you probably remember those days, Cage, Mr. Mr. 28. Oh, man, uh, I'm closer to 40. (laughs) I um, I say LeBron. I say LeBron had a, a, a the hype surrounding LeBron was more pal- palpable than the hype surrounding Wembenyama because one, the fact that there was no the the fact that te- the technology and like social media wasn't there as it is now makes it even crazier, and he's an American athlete. You, the USA loves their American athletes like that, and a guy who's six foot eight. Who eventually grew into 240 pound, a 240 pound dude in high school, a freak of nature. And the expectations that were shouldered on him before he even played a single game in the NBA were just ridiculous. So I I gotta say with the with the hype, like sure there's endless possibilities with Wembenyama and all. And there are. But in terms of the hype and the pressure right out of the gates, it's got to be LeBron by far because not only did he meet the hype, but he exceeded it by far. Well, and but I, I think that's unfair to Wembenyama because again, he hasn't had that chance yet. You give him five or six years, then we could have that argument of did he live up to what we all thought he could be or what what we all thought he was going to be. But the difference between again LeBron and Wembenyama is LeBron James was seen by national by people on national television on ESPN while playing in high school. No one saw Wembenyama except for when he played those two games against the G League Ignite team against Scoot, Scooter, Scoot Henderson. And I believe mm. he got injured in game two against Scoot. So, you know, in fairness to Wembenyama, no one this side, this side of the Atlantic has ever even seen this kid. We've only heard about him and seen highlight tapes and seen whatever the media shows us. Yeah. No one's watching again. No one's watching French basketball. No one's watching him play for the Metropolitan team, 92 or 82. I think it was 92, though. Yeah. Right? It was. Like, no one's seen this kid, unlike LeBron James. So it changes the hype to we all saw what LeBron was doing in high school. It's now, okay, can he do that in the NBA? Now it's with this kid, it's like, okay, we see the stat sheet of what he's doing in in France. We see the highlight tapes of this guy absolutely dominating at the the highest level in France, right? You know, will that translate to the NBA? It's a little different. Like, say he played, okay, I'll put it this way. If Wembenyama came over and played for Kentucky, Kansas, played for even Texas, US, not even USC, but USC now because they, they have had some really good recruits the last couple of years, including going into this year, getting Bronny James and the number one recruit in the nation. Um, But teams like that, Blue Bloods, Duke, like if he goes to Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or something, this kid's hype is beyond LeBron. 
because not only are we seeing him every single day against college competition, he's most likely dominating college competition. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I think, again, that's just the difference, is if he was on this side of the Atlantic for the last year, the height wouldn't be comparable. But because he was on the other side of the world, out of sight, out of mind, people weren't really thinking about him as much. We had They had to keep kind of shoveling it into the fan base of, hey, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to be sick. This guy's going to be, you know, insert all these um, superlatives here. You know, unlike LeBron, people literally saw playing high school games on ESPN. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy looks like a freak. This guy looks like men among boys at 18. Like, this guy looks gross, right? So I think when Benyama was, as much as it obviously helped him playing against other men in the in, in over over in Europe, because Doncic had the same problem. Luca came over, and we didn't know what, we were, what, what people were getting. You never really know what European talent, because it, the game is different over in Europe compared to here in North America. I'd argue it's more fluid and better. Well, it's also more physical. Mm-hmm. Right, and they all, and Luka Doncic openly admits that it was more physical. You know, it was more physically demanding to play in the Euro League than it was to play here in North America. But you know, w- with that in mind, you know, that that exactly exacerbates the point of we don't know what you're getting. And Luka Doncic has exceeded expectations to the utmost degree coming out of um, Madrid, Real Madrid, in yeah. Spain. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Who knows if Weminyama can even, I won't say exceed, because I don't think there's such a thing as exceeding being called the greatest player ever, but regardless of that, you know, we don't know what we're getting in a European kid like Weminyama. And again, without, without the archetype, it makes it even harder to go, okay, what's this kid going to be in 10 years? <laughs> I have no idea. This kid could be LeBron James point V10, V12, or he's going to be, you know, Greg Oden, who had all the talent in the world, but injuries just took it away, which I hope again. I think you and I will admit, we hope that doesn't happen for his sake and for the fans' sake. Mm. But that's a reality. But no, I, I think this kid got disservice not playing in North America. Because again, he plays, even if it's an Ignite team, if him and Scoot played together, Jesus. But, you know, played in North America and had a chance to let people see him, it, Sky would have been the limit for this kid, hype-wise. Just and it been, opens up a whole other pathway to like international fan bases supporting the NBA too because like damn like coming out like there's 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 been an international explosion of NBA talent and then you get someone someone like Victor Wembanyama who like if he does meet the hype and exceed the hype that'll be insane that'll be insane because arguably arguably the best player in the league right now in the league right now and some people might disagree with me on this is an international player. In my opinion, Nikola Jokic. And as good as Jokic is, he doesn't have the same physical attributes that Wembenyama does. So when Yama meets or exceeds that hype, oh man, the NBA is going to be like, the NBA is already a more good, basketball is a global sport as it is. It it will just skyrocket. It, it it will it it's kind of like when Yao Ming came into the NBA and they had the China explosion, which exploded revenues, exploded everything because again China is so big with the billion people it's got. You know, if Wan Bidama can do the same thing for Europe, and really good Spanish players come over and really because again Spain's really good regardless, but Spain now has some top athletes not playing soccer, playing basketball. France has some top players not playing soccer, playing basketball. England even you know Portugal, it, it Germany. He's got some really good players right now. 
you know, has some really good players in the past. It's really going to change mm-hmm. the way the NBA is, is is constructed right now and then might even add more value to the stash list of players or guys get drafted in the second round or first round and get stashed on the roster until they're able to come over from their their teams over in Europe. But now on to the Raptors. Grady Dick and Marquise Noel have made their debuts for the Toronto Raptors in Raptors jerseys. And Cage, as a Raptors fan yourself, what have you made? Again, Summer League, we talk about how these games don't matter, but still, they're all you, all you get to see right now. So what have you made of those two young men in their debuts for the Raptors? I've liked how composed Noel has been, uh, aside from like the, and I know you you may have seen this, their most recent game against the Pistons where Noel shot from downtown, ran back and looked away like he was Steph Curry, and it went off the backboard. I'm like, bruh. Um, but he's been composed, but he's been composed like, He's been compo- he's been composed and he, and sure the field goal percentages haven't been great great but he wasn't known for that he's known for being a game manager and he's and he's met expectations to that degree Grady Dick on the other hand he hasn't he now there's been a ton of there there's been a ton of criticism surrounding Grady Dick. And when a guy like say a guy like Keontae George, who has been tearing it up at summer league, when you see him, when you see him ball out, you're wondering, did they pass up on a superstar? Did they pass up on a star? No. Okay. Cal Cage, I'm going to say this quick before you continue your point. I'm going to make sure I say this. Okay. I like Keontae George. I like his game. I liked him at Baylor. They're not the same player. They're, they're not the same player. Don't even try to compare those two guys. They are not the same player. Keontae George is smaller plays shooting guard, not small forward like Dick. Dick can play shooting guard, but that's not his main position. He plays small. George is a point guard slash shooting guard for Baylor. He's a combo guard. And he was streaky at Baylor. He had games where he had 20, 25, 30 at Baylor, around there. And had games where he had 12 and shot two for 13. Like, he also had his struggles at Baylor. So maybe if those inconsistencies get ironed out, then yeah, Keontae Johnson could, or Keontae George, pardon me, could be a great scorer of the basketball but he's inconsistent. And that's something you see for college guys and something you might expect as the summer league goes on. But of course you may not continue about Grady Dick being inconsistent, but again, he's a kid. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That, I, I get that. I get that. It's just, it's just the fact that Toronto passed and then potentially Toronto passed up on him. But Grady Dick was known as a shooter coming out of, Shooting a shooter coming out of college and the three point shooting hasn't really been there yet. Now, mind you, him and Noel are sitting out today's Raptors game against the uh, Nets and the Nets uh, the, against the Brooklyn Nets, and their his absence not injury related. But in spite of it, in spite of his poor shooting, he did show a bit of something, dropping twenty two points against the Pistons and is averaging 14 points over the past over the last three games it's not going to come right it's not going to come right away it's not success isn't going to come right away to these guys um the Raptors are in a transition period like an interesting period will they will they retool will they rebuild there's that whole situation surrounding Pascal Siakam of 
are they going to trade him? Is he going to sign an extension? Like, there's just a ton of unknowns. There's just a ton of unknowns surrounding this Raptors team, and it, and it is very concerning. And it is very concerning. But summer league, to me, is not the be all end all for for these two for these two rookies. And quite frankly. This might actually work out better for for Grady Dick and Marquise Noel because in the situation of Noel, you got an opportunity to be an impactful player and play potentially play big minutes in the Raptors organization with Van, Fred Van Vliet out of the picture, or as I like to call him, Drake Van uh, Aubrey Van Vliet because the man looks like Drake. Um, and for Grady Dick, you he provides something that the Raptors desperately need, which is shooting. So they're going to have opportunities and a couple of subpar summer league games isn't, isn't going to diminish that. Well, not, not only that cage, isn't going to diminish that, you know, let's also before my, my mic goes out before we, you know, ostracize these poor kids, you know, for maybe not great performances, Grady Dick, you know, yeah, hasn't shot the rock particularly well, but he had 22 in a in a summer league game against Detroit. You know, shot two for 10 from three, but still 22 led the team. You know, they they only lost by four, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then you go on to other games where Marquise Noel has, you know, he had a, a good game. I believe it was against Chicago as I go through the box scores. Yeah, it was Chicago. He had 17 points to Marquise Noel. Shot four for six from three. So you see it, right, Cage? You see what what could be no they're not finished products but you shouldn't expect them to be finished products you know what i mean like i, I feel like it's a failure expectation like yeah we all know grady dick can shoot he hasn't shot well yet but that's a yet that's not like oh maybe he won't no no no. that's yet the kid shot 40 percent from three in kansas that's a yet like he's gonna be a, a half decent three-point shooter at the very least that's the minimum you just gotta give him time to get used to it you know you're throwing all these young guys together who have never played together. Be like, hey, go figure it out, mm-hmm. right? Like that is, that is an unfair expectation. And not only that, the Raptors have a new head coach, Darko, Darko Rajakovic, right? I believe. It. Yep. I got, I got close. But regardless, you know, Rajakovic. So new coach, bunch of young guys. Like I don't, I don't think he's actually coaching the summer league team. I usually send an assistant or, or what have you. But still, you know, new system, new team, new bunch of guys trying to get a, trying to figure it out together. You know. It takes time. Rome, I hate the Rome wasn't built in the day, but Athens wasn't built in the day, you know? The the Mongol Empire wasn't built in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, Egypt was not built in the day. The pyramids were not built in the day, you know? So give these guys a little bit of time, a little bit of time to figure it out. And, with the, the, and with the thing about Grady Dick was he came into, his bread and brother, butter was a, was a shooting coming in. But now he's trying to do different. Now he's getting used to doing different things on the court. On the court, which is whether he has the ball in his hands for like periods of time, aside from shooting off of one or two dribbles. Um, he's starting to get more comfortable and showing off, showing off his skill set. Um, not the greatest defender, at least on the ball, but he does try on. De- but he does try on defense. So like. Sure, there's going to be growing pains, but if it, but if it makes him a better all-around player and not just a shooter, then so be it. 
and it'd be a welcome change cage, welcome change for a Raptors team that again has been defensive first, but you know, for a kid who is normally not seen as a scorer, also to be comfortable defending is a very big positive for the franchise. But now on to our next full-on topic. That was basically just a summer league roundup, but you know, there was a lot of talking points there for for the summer league again, because when Manyama gets drafted, what what the Raptors look like. I love your next topic. Next thing you want to talk about. So I'll try to pin this to you the best way I can, but I'm going to start off with Cage. You love ball. You watch ball. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be 11 year old playing pickup at the Y. You're going to watch it. You're, mm. you're a nut. To I a love it to, to, to a degree. Unless, un, unless off, unless opposing, unless the game absolutely pisses me off. And I'm not talking about just rappers games. Yeah. You talk about the 11 year olds at the Y, but you know, Anyway, right? You watch ball. You watch a lot of it. You watch just about any form of it. Mm. I do not. I love sport, and I do watch basketball. I love college ball, but I do not like watching the NBA. I find it, quote-unquote, unwatchable. Your next topic particularly hits that, and I want to ask you, you know, what changes do you think need to be made, or what changes would you make to make the NBA more watchable, to make the NBA more enjoyable to the fan. Not this play-in garbage, not this in-season tournament garbage that makes the, no sense and no one wants to see it. Like, more, people are going to watch it, but people don't want it. You know what I mean? What would you say the changes that the NBA would need to make to make the game more enjoyable for the fan, for you and I, the fan? They banned this rule before, and it really gave offenses so much more leeway and handcuffed defenses, why not bring back hand-checking? Because, yes, it might get a little bit too physical, but you're not a lot... But, it, but this ain't the greatest option either, like letting, player, letting players go to the lane untouched or if you make a little bit of contact with them. Obviously, with the rules that are being given, players, players will have more leeway to flop their way into, flop their way into either getting to... The, to get into the line numerous times, like to me, hand checking should be brought back because it just adds a different sort of layer for offenses to figure out. The game's just being too easy. The game's just too easy for offenses. And sure, it'll be pretty to watch. It'll be pretty to watch if you love watching off. If you love watching offense, whether it's letting it fly from downtown, slam dunks, and whatnot, but. Put put a little bit of spice into that, man. Like make things a little bit more challenging, because the beauty of sport, and I'm not just talking about basketball, but the beauty of sport is its competitive nature. With offenses being given so many so much leeway, is there is there really is the competitiveness really there? Like is it like offenses are are just being given way too much power and. At least let them think. Let offenses think of something else to like sort of maneuver, scoring the basketball or like. And I think with and I think with hand and I think at least with hand checking, it'll at least give them something else to think about. Well, Cage and I'm with you there. I think the game has gotten away. It's kind of swung the pendulum too far away from the two physical we saw. You know, during the 80s and the the 90s, even the early 2000s, to the point where now it's like you can't even play defense properly without getting called for a foul and giving up two free throws. And guys make careers off it. You know, like 
uh, I'll say James Harden specifically, but that's not a diss on James Harden, but guys like James Harden who made basically careers off of getting to the free throw line consistently and regularly getting to the free throw line. It's and I know ridiculous. a lot of pl- and, and, and I know a lot of guys hate players like James Harden and all that, but they're a they're a symptom of the rule of the of the rule book. Like pl- obviously players are going to adapt. Obviously players are going to take advantage of the rules and I can't really blame them for doing that because if it's not be if it's not being dealt with Wow, if it's not being dealt with, like man, you gotta adapt it. So you got you gotta like play to your strengths, and that's what they're and that's what they're doing. Um, so I don't really, I know a lot of people like hate guys like James Harden and LeBron James, but they're doing, but they're taking advantage of the rules. So I can't blame them. Well, Cage put it in, in in a way that most people understand. If I could go 120 down uh, City Street, I would, I would. If there was no speed limit. I would drive fast as I want. That's not an argument on the speed limit saying why it protects people and all that garbage. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you let me do it, I do it. And I do it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So if you allow guys, you know, if you have certain rules, people are going to find loopholes for those rules. Uh, only going to find loopholes. They're going to try to use them against you. You know, if they know you can't do something, they're going to make sure you know you can't do it. Right. And the NBA same way. Is if I know the offensive player can do something, the defensive player can't stop, then why would I not do it? Mm-hmm. Right? Why why would I not do that? That doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I, I don't think any any person should discount an athlete because they're they're just taking the rule set they're playing with and using it to their best advantage. That that's not that's not right. You're right. That's not fair to the athlete. But um Next up, before we get to Scrabble, I do want to mention this before we get to Scrabble, the WNBA. We talked about the All-Star game. It will be Team Aja Wilson against Team Brianna Stewart for the WNBA All-Star game. It's effectively the Liberty versus the Aces. Well, yeah, but they're the two best teams in the WNBA. No offense to Connecticut Sun. So, you know, Cage, who do you got? Do you like Team Stewart? Do you you like Team Wilson? And no offense, basically it's Team Aja Wilson and those Las Vegas Aces versus Team Stewart and her New York Liberty. So who do you got in in the All Star game for the WNBA? Honestly, with honestly with Asia Wilson drafting all Aces players and the way Las Vegas has looked. Now, let me go about it. Uh, let me let, let me look at the rosters right now because um. Well, Cade, you're lucky. I got them up right here. So what would okay. you like to know? What would you like to know? Honestly, with the way the Aces are playing and the fact that they're all playing together, I, I got to go with Team Wilson. Not um, only does Team Wilson got two Aces, she's or three Aces, including herself, she also got two New York Liberty. Four or four of them, actually, with Kelsey Plum. Oh, no, see, I, I look, I'm looking at the selection screen, but they flip. So it, they're, they're diagonal, not vertical. So I'm looking down at Stewart's reserve team, not Wilson's reserve team. You're right. I miss Kelsey Plum. So, yes, she does have technically four, including herself, Las Vegas Aces, compared to Stewart, who has three New York Liberty, including herself. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you got, like, I've always liked Enrique Ogunbowale's game, especially in Notre Dame. That that girl's just been a dog. And now you have her on that team, to, on, on that all-star team, too. Like, GG's. Just quick GG. She also has her last pick was Elena Del Don, who's great as well, right? So, 
Yeah, she she Angie Wilson's team looks kind of good, but no offense to Brianna Stewart. You also got Brittany Griner as her first pick, Satu Sabali, playing with her former college teammate uh, Sabrina Inoiscu, both mm-hmm. uh, from the from the Oregon Ducks when they played in college, both on Team Stewart. Again, Inoiscu and Vander Sloat are the other two Liberty on Stewart's team, not including herself. She also got Narner Fisakoyer, so or Collier, pardon me. So. Now, again, some really good players on both teams here. And I want to mention this, Cage, before we again we move, we move on. Brianna Stewart and her college teammate, Narfisa Koyer from Minnesota, they're starting a off-season basketball league in the States that will be going on during the NBA or WNBA off-season so players don't have to go to Europe. And the reason why they're trying to, to create this new league, I believe they are going to create it, but I'll say trying just in case, is because... The WNBA has a not basically non-compete where when their season starts, you have to be back in the U.S. playing for your team, which is either, I believe it is by May 1st or by start of training camp. And that's normally during the European teams, who they usually play for when the WNBA is not playing, they go over to Europe and play in Europe. That's when their playoffs are going on. So you have to basically abandon your European team to come play in the WNBA, which mm-hmm. isn't right, but it's the way, they work, the way it works right now with their most recent bargaining agreement. So um, Stewart and Coyer are trying to create a women's basketball league going on during their or during the off season, which I think is rather admirable. But not only that, rather great and something that other teams should do. Or we you know other, you know, I really like it. I, I think it shows initiative from two of two of no, in all honesty, two of the best players in the WNBA, and Stewart and and Coyer respectively. Mm-hmm. And it just and um. It just go <clears throat> it just goes back to like when um when I was there earlier at Humber College watching Hoop Queens. It just reminds me of that. I'm like all the power to them. Like it just it just brings about a whole nother like you can bring a whole nother different audience to the game of women's basketball by doing this too. And it keeps ath- it keeps athletes, like you said, within 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 like within North America, North America, North America, so that they can also they can also get some they they can also get some money and and grow the game of women's basketball. It's just it's just great to see. It's a great continuation. Now I I'm a little short on Scrabble right now, Cage. I only got two names, so I think we're just gonna do it now to get it out of the way. But I got I got two names. All right. All right. So right now you've only ever missed one. They missed my boy Tubelis out of Arizona signing his uh, two-way contract. So the only one you've missed, I believe you're technically doing the quick math. 10 for 11? 10 for 11. There you go. See, Cage remembers. I don't know if I wrote it down. I think I did. But you know what? Cage deleted it like an absolute 90.9%. Oh, yeah. Okay. You keep running down your percentages. Hopefully, I make you miss one today. I don't think I will. But I only got two names. So we'll start off with the easy one. Then we'll go to the one you might not get. Okay. So the easy one is you got your pen and your pen and paper ready. Yep. V B U A E L. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. V B U A E L. E L. Oh, Cage, come on. This one should be easy. Easy. I wrote this down right, right? V B U A E L. Yep, that is it. 
There's no way you don't get this one, Kish. Come on. Come on. I sure I sure to get you marked down for this one. I can't believe you're taking this long. Do you want a hint? Yeah, go ahead. They play in the NBA. They play in the NBA. Not only that, they play in the Eastern Conference of the NBA. Why is my mind going blank all of a sudden? Like Cajun's what? choking. Cajun's like the Raptors of the free throw line. CC, you, you will never call me that. No. God, I feel like Reggie Miller right now. This is amazing. Eastern Conference? What? You know what's amazing, Cajun? This guy played against the Raptors in that game. That should give, away, that should give it away. I just gave it away, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, I gave it away. Wait, Ladies hold on, hold on. Let me make girls. sure I'm writing, writing this right. So I've, I've written this right, right? V-B-U-A-E-L? Yep. All right, wait, wait. I, I, I added a letter. I added a letter. I got thought I messed you up. Yep. Yeah, I, I added a letter. So I do feel kind of bad now for misdissing you, but no, I don't. So get rid of the B. Get rid of the B? Get rid of the B. And make it an I. An I. Now you should get it. Wait, V I V I U A E L or V I N A E L? Well, I, I mix it up anyway, but those are the right letters. Those those are the right letters. You're actually, looking at I, it on the dock, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think I actually, if you flip flip the U to an N, and then you'd be right. Oh, Levine. Yeah, it's Jack Levine. Yeah. So as long as I can spell, which we all know I can't. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't know actually how I messed that up that badly. But regardless, it is Zach Levine. Should have went with Dennis Schroeder, but you know what? It's fine. I've heard people call him Schroeder recently, which just makes me want to cry. Schroeder time, Dad. Yeah, you and your stupid memes. Okay, now that's what I know I spelled right. Make sure I actually make sure I double check myself here. That looks right to me. So we're going to go with it, Cage. All right, you got, you got the doc ready? You got your pen and paper ready? Yep. So we'll count that as a right, because I did kind of misspell it, because, you know, we all know I can't spell. So the way I mix it up is W-I-E-K-U-G-M-O. And when you, when you want a hint, just ask. I right, go with the hint. She plays in the WNBA. When you're ready for the next hint, just ask. And again, I'll make sure I say. I wait, this wait, wait. One now right. look at the look at the doc here and see if this is actually right. I'll copy it from my notes. If I put it under. Don't do this to me right now. Okay. There we go. So there, there it is below. So that looks identical. Oh, actually, wait. I don't know why the E's there. Let me check. Oh no, no, I'm right. Yep, that that is. I did spell. I use Nika Ogmuwike from the Sparks. It is Ogmuwike from the Sparks? She is an All Star. A part of, I believe, it was Team. Wilson. Nope. I think nope. I'm actually wrong. I think it was Team Stewart. Team Stewart. It was Team Stewart. 
She was the Sparks representative for Team Stewart. And you are right. So that makes you 12 for 13. Thank goodness I didn't spell that one wrong. I was going to get very upset at myself because I swear to God, I took it that I took about four looks at that one. Like, I got that one right. I swear to God. So that makes you 12 for 13 from the free throw line. I ain't the Raptors. Point. You ain't no Raptor just yet. Tubelis is your only blemish on your record. So at least I got you to miss one free throw. Thank goodness. So we'll see if I can get a little harder next week. Again, next week's episode should be... I'm just glad DeArthur Rosen is not anywhere near here. Yeah, you know, exactly. You know, hopefully next week we, I can get come up with a little extra, you know, a little harder ones, but I might do a little more prep. But we'll see again. I'm a, I'm a busy guy. I got internship. I got stuff to do. And you mm -hmm. do as well. So we're going to end with this. So I, I had a clip I showed you before the show, but about Carl yeah. Anthony oh, Towns. Boy. Carl Anthony Towns, the, the most influential big man of all time. If you asked him, yeah. if you asked him, if you asked yeah, him. yeah, and I'm six foot nine. Okay. Yeah, if you ask Carl Anthony Towns, he's the most influential big man ever. But anyway, you know. By the way, I'm five foot nine. Let's get that out of the way. Oh no, he's he's more like five seven, but it, it's okay. We we let Cage lie to himself, but you know, regardless. So Cat in that infamous interview we talked about, I believe maybe our second episode, when he said he was the most the one of the most or was. What was the exact wording, Cage? It was more like he was that he was um, a trailblazer for shooting big men. He was like the archetype or whatever, basically. I'm like, did Dirk die all of a sudden? Yeah, he, basically it was just him saying that he was the he was the um, the the instigator to the shooting big man, the stretch five. Which yeah, is okay just, there. Which is just ridiculous. But again, it's cat and we all it's cat's world. We all just live in it. So Carl Anthony Towns was asked on that same interview with Paul George another NBA player currently playing for the Los Angeles Clippers who are basically just, basically just broken leg ink. But anyway, or torn knee ligament ink. But anyway, Kat said that his all time best shooting lineup was Steph Curry, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller. So no, no three Dirk Nowinski and obviously himself. Cause you got to put Kat in that list. Okay. Who else can you put at center? Like no one else can play center except for Kat. And then they asked Apparently, him, according to to his delusional mind. Yeah, according to Cat. You know, Kat, okay, you got to respect it, Cajun. Cat loves some Cat. Carl Anthony Towns loves some Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, that, I can that I can respect, but then, then there's there's confidence and then there's delusion. He's bordering on delusion. Oh, no, no, he's not bordering. He stepped over that line a long time ago. <laughs> but going on to his team today that are the best shooters the shooting five point guard to, to, to center steph curry at point guard devin booker at shooting guard clay thompson at small forward paul george at power forward again this was an interview with paul george and cat carl anthony towns at center now cage i told you mike writes with his current team but let's go but let's start off with the former the with the all-time team ever shooters in curry ray allen Reggie Miller, Dirk, and himself. Who would you sub out and who would you put in? Because obviously Steph Curry is the first answer out of everyone's mouth. Anyone says anybody else is out of their mind. There's no idea what they're talking about with basketball. So Steph Curry at the point guard, who would you put as your all-time best shooting shooting guard? Well, aside from Steph Curry at the one, it's a debate between Ray Allen and Reggie Miller, but because Ray Allen's hit more threes, I'd have to put Ray Allen at the two. 
So um, who would you put at the three? Because obviously he put Reggie and Ray. Nah, you got to choose one of the three. To me, you got to like, choose one of the two. Yeah, the, neither of them are threes. Maybe you could argue Ray Allen later, but they're both two shooting guards. So who would you put at the, 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 the small forward position? All-time greatest shooters. Hmm. Because I think for me the answer is easy, but I want you to answer first. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Because to me, this might be, this might border on small ball for me. But I'd go Larry Bird at the three, or no, KD at the three, Larry Bird I, at the four. Ooh, and see, I'd the switch five. him. I'd switch him there. I'd probably put. I'd, I'd probably put Bird at the three, put KD at the four because he's like seven feet tall. They say he's like six ten, but he's seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. And then Dirk, at the, Dirk at the five. But I like because I was thinking. I immediately thought the answer was Larry Bird at small forward, and then I thought, well, no, probably KD because KD is just so tall and so long and just everything just shoots so well that maybe he takes the three. So we're gonna limit to one. Yeah, you either get Larry Bird or Dur- Durant at the three. We're gonna say you pick Durant at the three. So who's the four if you're not if you're gonna play Dirk at the five? Is is there a four you can think of that doesn't name Carl Anthony Towns? Well, do you really consider Dirk a four or a five? Well, I'd say he's a four, but if you want to play him at the five, I want to argue with you, but I'm not sure if that changes your answer who plays center. If you put him at the four. Because hmm. for me, Dirk's a four. Dirk was a power forward, not a center. All right, and we'll put Dirk at the four. And Durant at the three. So who playing the center for this absolute, just amazing team, obviously? Because, again, it's hard not to pick great teams when you're talking about all-time players. This well, I where gets to- tough. Yeah, I can start throwing out some names, Cage, for shooters at the at the at the center position. Akeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing, um, obviously Nikola Jokic. I I I know, this, I know this is too early. Oh God! But I'm gonna go with the Jokic. I was I thought you were gonna say one minute for a second. I was gonna just absolutely lose my mind. I was gonna be like, whoa, that is out there, Cage. Now now Jesus. No, no. I do have a name that could be out there, but he was the original. But you could argue he started the trend of shooting big man, Arvidas Sabonis. See, I love the Sabonis shout out. I don't think he makes the team, but I love that shout out. I think he just made Cat's blood boil though. By the way, by saying he was he was the real first one, he was the real OG, and then he made Cat one of you know puking. And you know what the shame was? He started his career way too late in the NBA. Yeah, because he was, I believe, I want to say Lithuanian, but yeah, Sabonis came over from Europe as well, and because of that, he came over a lot later in his in, in his career, so he sadly was not able to have the career that his son, DeMontis Sabonis, was able to have in the NBA, and DeMontis, in his own right, great shooter, great passer. Are you, you sure know? about great shooter? Because he didn't even look at the rim when he was when he was wide open from like 15 I mean, to 18 shoot, feet in that first round against Golden State. I mean, he's shooting 60% from the floor and like 35 from three cage. I don't know if that ain't good shooting. I don't know what is from a small forward or power forward slash center. On very little volume. Well, hours and 20 points. Hours and 20 points, ain't it? I mean, shooting wise. Well, shooting 60%, shooting 60%, ain't it? Around the rim, yes. Well, so you gotta, gotta make the shots, don't you? Only, only can make the shot you take. Hey, man, we talking shooters here. Well, and, and I'm just saying, you know, Demonte Sabonis having a having a pretty darn good career for. Oh no, he you know? he, he he does have a good he does have a good career thus far. Shooting wise, not as great as his dad, dad though. Well, you you give him years to catch up to his dad, then maybe we can have that we could rehash that argument, Cage. We'll, I guess we'll put a, time we'll, will we'll, we'll put a pin in that, but. You know, some other centers that maybe you could mention for being, you know, great shooters that I, I, I didn't get a chance to mention. Like, you know, you talk about, you know, obviously Embiid and Jokic now, Akeem and um and Ewing 
or way earlier. And then the 2000s, really, really, there really wasn't one that played center that was a great shooter. You know, they really I mean, were just I mean, like Shaqs and Dwight's. And had a great and, career, yeah. Well, and, but at first, yeah, yeah, I was like a back-of-the-basket kind of guy. Because, again, there really wasn't that shooting archetype. That really wasn't a thing then, like Shaq uh, and he White. He was a good and, shooter from mid, from mid, and he was a great free-throw shooter. Well, then, yes, nothing takes away from that three-point shot. Maybe he could have if he was given the chance, but he never was given the chance because the NBA was not ready for that yet. They were not ready for a guy who was 7'4 who could shoot, like Victor Wabanyama. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it could very well be him once his career is all said and done. Exactly. Right. And he's going to be, again, a guy where you're like, okay, where, where do we put him? Because he can play anywhere. So it's kind of like wherever position you don't have filled yet, if mm-hmm. we're going to put him in your all time team. But now let's go on to the more interesting conversation of who is the greatest current five shooters, point guard to center. Again, Steph Curry, easily the point guard of this team. So shooting guard to center. Best shooters in the NBA, Cajun. Who do you got at shooting guard? In to today's me, NBA. Does it, to me, Steph's one. Clay is two. It's okay because okay's playing the shooting guard for you. Yeah. De- okay. De- Devin's a great shooter, but he's not Clay. No, I, I, no offense to, 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 to Devin Booker, but he should not be anywhere near that list. And if we're considering Kevin Durant a three, we put KD at the three. We'll consider him a three. You know, I'll get, we'll, we'll give you that, Cajun. We'll get, we consider him a three. I would put Jokic at the five. Well, that's obvious. Unless you're putting Embiid there, which I wouldn't, because Embiid's a crybaby, whiny, <laughs> no good, rotten, stinky center playing for that awful organization. I also want to mention, Nikola Jokic shot 38% from three this year. So, shooter. Now, this one might be out of left field. Uh oh. And I don't know if you really consider him a four. Okay. I like where this is going already. But this is shooters we're talking about. Porzingis? I mean He I shoots them at he shoots them at he shoots them well and on volume too. I was kind of worried you were gonna say somebody like uh oh what the name just flat it just flashed in my brain and it just went away as fast as it came when you talked about guys who maybe don't play the four that are really good shooters. I, I you know I I think Porzingis could get an argument at the four, but I'm just thinking like there's so many guys who like play the four that are like kind of fours but not. You know what I mean? Like Porzingis, like Jeremy Grant. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying Grant's comparable to, to Porzingis either, but still, you know what I mean? Like, they're that kind of archetype of player. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'll be honest, Kate. I'm looking right now through the percentages of guys who take threes. Buddy Heal's shooting 42.5% from three. That's really good. Maxie's shooting th- almost 34% from three. That's Tyrese Maxie. Mm-hmm. And do you want to know who's second? Last season in in three point percentage makes three point percentage. Do you know who the second highest player was? Because the highest was Luke Kennard, almost fifty percent. Luke Kennard's a freak. Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard is literally a Grady Dick at the base level. Just a gunner. It's just a great shooter. That's Grady Dick's floor. Who's second? Buddy Healed. No, 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 no. Buddy Healed is ninth at forty four point four two five. Number two is point four four six, almost forty five percent from three. Desmond Bain? No, I don't even see Desmond Bain on the top twenty five list. Wait, say that again. 
I don't even see Bet Desmond being in the top 25. <laughs> he plays in the Eastern Conference, and he's a big. And he's a big. Mike Muscala? No. He plays in the Raptors division. In the Raptors division? Ooh, that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Currently? Currently. Last season, as of last year, shot forty almost 45% from three. Second in the league in three-point percentage. Oh, boy. If you're telling me it's Randall. No, no. It's not a knickerbocker. He's not. Randall's not even in the top 25 as well. Oh, boy. Thank goodness. It's someone, it's someone you clown. It's someone you have clowned before. Somebody I would have clowned before. Huh. I clown a lot ve- of people. On, on this very show, Cajun. On this very show. I believe on this very show. On this very show. Hmm. So Raptors? No, that's not, that's out of the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Pascal Siakam, so it's not it's not nobody on the no, Raptors. No, 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 no. Then you have Boston. It can't be Tatum. No, it's not Tatum. Not Tatum. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I thought I almost clicked there for a second. Huh? I thought I almost clicked there for a second. Come on, Cage. I know you got this. <sighs> so it's not it's not it's not Randall. Um, the Nets. The Nets. Cameron Johnson? No, no. It's a big. It's a big. <laughs> Play center power forward big. And well, it's definitely not been the great Ben Simmons. Well, no, of course not the great Ben. Simmons. He plays point guard. <laughs> he plays point guard. <sighs> Why is my mind going blank? Who else is in the Atlantic? They wear green. They wear green. It's in Boston. Yep. They would be. Luke Cornett? No. Close, though. Horford? Four, six percent. Shot 44.6% from three. Oh, man. Where is that? Al Horford was second in the league. And guess who was fourth? Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, man. If only that regular season shooting translated to the playoffs when it mattered. Literally, Cajun. You know how mad I am right now looking at this three-point percentage? <laughs> three Celtics in the top, like, 15? Three? Three Celtics in the top 15? And Who's not Jalen Brown or Jason Jason Tatum? It is it is Horford, Brogdon, and Sam Hauser. Okay, I figured. Big Hauser sense. shooting almost 42% from the three-point line. Yeah, he, 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 he's... he's he, He's he he's like he's like Steve Novak. He's his job is to shoot threes. And I also got to be honest here, Cage. Now I'm not saying he makes the the team because he's not a center either or or power. But Michael Porter Jr. shot fourteen or forty forty one point four percent from three. Like Michael Porter Jr. is a good shooter too, dog. He's a gunner. I like my I I, I love Michael Porter Jr. personally. I, I'm a big Honestly, fan of his he game. Honestly, he needs but... more time. I thought I thought about him. I thought I thought about him, but he's also his career's also been marred by back surgery thus far. Yeah. If he manages to stay healthy, he's under consideration. You know what, Cajun? I'm picking. You know what? I'm picking the goat. I'm sorry. I can't believe you and I completely missed this. So moving everyone down, he's playing the three now. Our boy Joe Ingles is playing the three. Okay, Joe Ingles is our gunner at the three point position. Three, the, the small forward. Okay, that's that's what's happening. This man said Joe Ingles. I'm Joe, Joe, Joe Ingles shooting 40.9% from three. Joe Ingles making the team. Okay, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, man. He reminds me of me. Old, old but can shoot three, and he's lefty. 
Oh yeah, you can't shoot. Come on now. I don't know who. Oh, I don't know who. You, come on, I don't know who I'm a high five. I'm a high five you, and then shoot the three on your I, head. I, I don't know come who on. you're lying to. I don't know who you're trying to convince to that. But you ain't. You ain't. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't making nothing. You ain't doing nothing. Hey, I'll beat you without my glasses. I'm blind as hell. Well, so am I. God, we, we we go we go we if we both go without glasses, you and I are absolutely pooped. You and I are gonna get hit by a car. Oh we're man, like a if we were driving, oh boy. Well, see, I can see shapes. I won't be able to read signs, but I can see shapes. I, I can only see colors, and that's hazy at best. <laughs> oh, you know what, Cage? Scratch that. Joe Ingles getting subbed out for Doug McDermott. Dougie McBuckets? McBuckets averaging 41.3 from, or, uh, yeah, shooting 41.3 from three-point land. And that's the thing, too, is we talk about shooters. Like, what do you mean? Because, like, no offense, Luke Kennard should be on a team like that. Because, again, he shot by far the best from three. He shot almost 50%. I mean, the like, that's where criteria has to come in. But for me, it's like, not only is it catch and shoot, but also off the dribble, too. Yeah. Because there's a lot of catch and shoot guys. Oh, there's tons of catch and shoot guys. I think we just mentioned half of them right there. They're all catch and shoot guys. Because... You know, catching and shooting is important, if you, especially if you can't catch and then shoot. But if you can't go, if you can't do the catch part right, then what are you doing? Well, then you're um, every bum on the uh, on the Detroit Pistons. No offense to my boy Jay Nivey. Oh man, I mean Detroit's gonna not gonna be a bad team come this season, uh, mind you, if uh, health goes their way. Yeah, but they had they won 17 games last year. No offense to uh, yeah, that uh, also played. Like, Cade Cunningham not playing for the majority of that season also played a role. Well, definitely, Cade Cunningham's another one of those guys who's going to be great. I love Jade Nivey. Killian Hayes might need to go now, but you know they got. Uh, I believe they drafted Ensuer, um Thompson in the draft. They got Marcus Sauster, who I love. They got James Wiseman in a, in a fleecing trade from the They just Warriors. signed LeBron's op- UFC opponent to a four-year, $64 million contract extension. Oh, God. Who's that? Isaiah, oh, Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. That's right. When they had their big scrap. That's right. Isaiah Stewart, the Washington product. But, you know, this year in the ABC were really interesting because so many teams got guys where you're like, that guy could be great. Like, you know, the Rockets, they get Scoot Henderson. The Spurs, they get, you know, Wembenyama. The Pistons, they get Ann Stewart Thompson. You know, the Trailblazers, I mentioned Scoot Henderson. The Hornets, they get, oh, heaven. I don't actually remember who they drafted. Case, do, you, do you remember? Wait, with with what? Who the Hornets drafted? Leonard Miller. Oh, the, uh, wait, Brandon no, no, Miller. no, no, no. Wait, Brandon Miller. Miller. Yeah, they got B. Miller. B. Miller. You know, the Magic were also down there. They got Anthony Black, who looks great, and Jet Howard. You know, you've got a team like Houston who adds Leonard Miller, um, Leonard, uh, Leonard, Miller, Leonard Miller started to turn some heads, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Canadian Leonard Miller, you know, starting to be a walking bucket. So, you know, it's like and wasn't this he 33rd overall by the T-Wolves? Yeah, he was a, he was a late round pick. He was a he was a ladder pick. Cat, cat think he'd be the best shooter of all time. Hey man, he gotta worry. He gotta worry about his own place on the T Wolves. Yeah. Oh God. Not the not the T Wolves. <laughs> not, not that absolute bummy organization with the most delusional player in the NBA, not named Dylan Brooks. Not named Dylan Brooks. In fairness. Yeah, you mean Dillion Brooks, 80, 80 million dollar man, Dillion Dylan Brooks. 
Yeah, that absolute that absolute smart guy, eh? The absolute smart guy. I mean, it's 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 brilliant if he get if he gets rid of the antics, yeah. Oh yeah, like he like he doesn't have steal antics. The, steal, uh, steal deal of the off season, by far, not even close. Well, Cage, before we go, before we go, I, I do want to mention something we're gonna talk about next episode. So obviously, next episode we're probably gonna talk about the uh, WNBA All Star Game. We're I I think. I'm going to go out of my way to watch the A.J. Wilson team versus the uh, Brianna Stewart team, watch the WNBA All-Star game. I hate All-Star games. They're pointless, but this one could get interesting. Um, I also want to talk about next week, the NBA draft. I know it's been a while ago when we're talking with the, the guys. We'll probably do some more Summer League Roundup, too, as the Summer League comes to an end next week with the mm-hmm. championship being awarded. I want to talk about the NBA uh, draft, specifically how garbage the broadcasts are because they are so unwatchable as a guy who watches the, the the nfl draft watches the nhl draft the way they do trades in the nba draft is ludicrous and i want i want to talk about it next week so we can you know hopefully sure. see if we can slowly move this nba draft into a process of actual... and, mind, and mind you with the nba draft broadcasting process check this checking this the rain the finals mvp the greatest big man in the league right now, Nikola Jokic, got drafted while there was a Taco Bell commercial going on. Just to add to Spencer's point. Mm-hmm. Like, come on now. Yeah. Wait, and, and, to, and to quote Spencer here in his tone, what are we doing? What are we doing, KJ? What are we doing? What, what are, are we doing? doing? What are we doing? But no, I want to talk about the NBA draft and the way I hope they hope they fix broadcasting it because it's just it's so hard to watch, you know, compared to the NBA draft and the the NHL draft, you know. And then I do want to talk about the WNBA and their All Star game, and then we'll probably keep wrapping up the summer league cage. I think we'll walk wrap the summer league, and again, the Scrabble board will be back out tomorrow or tomorrow next week when we you know try to get through Theruth, Danny Castle, and that absolute. 17 characters of last name? Yep. 17 characters that can't fit into a work or school email? I uh, can't, can't fit into a work email. Can't fit into a school email. Can't fit into school a ID. school login or a work login. It's one of a kind. It, it, is, it, is something, it is something to behold, Cajun. Something to behold. Oh, man. And only... I'll uh, say only you, but you are one of the few who get the opportunity to deal with the Luxury is having a 17 character last name. 17 characters. My one goodness. seven, folks. One seven, and no, that's not how old he is. You add a couple more. You add 11 to that, and there you are at two eight, Mister. Again, happy birthday to Cajun. Three with Andy Castle. Oh, appreciate 28. it. Appreciate it. 28, 28 going on 40. Uh, then there you go. There you go. 28 going on 40, then going on 50, and then to the grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then and then to the pine box. Well, uh, that'll be it here for. Us on Polar Opposites, episode number four. Almost up, messed up the intro. We'll mess up the outro. Episode number four. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Most likely going to be a Wednesday, depending on what my my intern schedule looks like, because I have an event going on with Ella, actually, but well, with Ella relative. He also be working the event next week, so we'll see when Cage and I can link up. But it should be next week, Wednesday or Thursday, most likely, unless I work a morning on Tuesday. We can do it Tuesday, but it'll be up next week, sometime midweek, and. Stay tuned for it for episode number five coming soon of Polar Opposites. See ya.